Welcome back to I-35 Highway Podcast. I'm with Luke Fulcher and Pastor David Malcolm. Who I is not just singing. We're, that's not going to be on the thing, right? I'll cut your mic out. Right. But hey, actually, uh, <laughs> because there is a episode that disappeared into the nether world, uh, because, you know, it wasn't... A, we don't well, talk. <laughs> because there was a disappearing episode, we never have actually for the actually listening podcast audience shouted out our good friend pastor matthew putman of uh, oh yeah Hope was that in the Saluda lost file for i believe so for uh singing on the theme song for us so uh thanks matt if you're listening to us thanks matt uh, and thank you, know, you the harmonica matt. player was all right too he's okay thanks Luke. fair to midland you know <laughs> <laughs> uh the the podcast that shall remain lost i guess um <laughs> yet to be determined yet to be determined has anybody besides you listened to it all the way through have you no i keep putting it off I me mean, too i'm afraid of it i think i think i'm just gonna go ahead and edit it the rest of the way mm-hmm. and then be like if you don't listen to it it's <laughs> staying where it's at all right uh but <laughs> but anyway that one might come out before this one i don't know i don't know but uh David, how has the last two weeks been for you since we've released a podcast? So incredible. I, I, and I, I'm not just saying that I was testifying. Uh, it, you know, it seems like this, this, uh, this move of God in this phase in my life, the activity of what God is doing, you know, this, the waves, I always feel like it, it comes in waves like the just the rhythm of the spirit moves and waves and the testimonies have been different and my private time has been different and that's felt incredibly refreshing. So I feel, I feel like I'm in a sweet spot. The family's good. Uh, um, God's been doing really cool stuff that I, that I, that I wasn't sure that he was going to do, but my heart just wasn't, wasn't so married to it. it things were going to rise and fall on it. I've watched him, doing some incredible things so um man my wife is the best my kids are incredible i get to live in keysville virginia seeing god move get to hang out with my friends and shoot podcasts life is good man agreed (laughs) luke how have you been for the last two weeks man i've uh i've had a really good time uh last week or so i went down to uh uh, Mobile, Alabama, hang out with some of my revival family, being around uh, my apostle a little bit, and uh, be in the atmosphere there at, at the homestead, which is really cool, and uh, robbed me of a little bit of the Christmas spirit because it is like seventy-eight 
down there and it's a week before Christmas and this is not supposed to be. Uh, but uh, anyway, I had to I had to like shock myself back into Christmas mood today a little bit, but uh, it was good. But no, it was a wonderful time. It was cool. I got to stop and, and visit some revival family in Georgia and South Carolina along the way. And it's been really cool just being in all those places over the week and seeing so many people and just seeing what God is doing in so many places right now. Like the Lord's been, you know, uh, you know, Lord did some incredible stuff in, in our church here in Keysville last night. Uh, you know, I've seen, you know, I've heard some incredible testimonies of what was happening with our friends in Georgia, with our friends in South Carolina, with our friends in Alabama. And so it just feels like everywhere you go, God's doing something cool right now. I guess that's usually the case. It's yeah. not like uh, not like he usually is sitting up there twiddling his thumbs or anything, but there does seem to be this this really special uh, moment happening right now, you know, and it's it's been cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Um, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm good. Got a new job, doing okay at the new job. Um, I love the people I work with. My wife got a new job. She's doing great. Um, we, we, the cat is good. The cat is doing really good. The hair is fantastic. My hair is growing. Uh, I had the shortest haircut of my life the other day. Cause I, I was like, look. It, I know there's a lot, but it's uneven and I need a little less. And she just grabbed all of it on one side and just chopped, grabbed all of it on the other side, chopped. And we were like, all right, 10 bucks, here we go. And, uh, well, you're, I'm living vicariously through that flowing hair. <laughs> the testimony you, of Jesus and the spirit of prophecy. <laughs> you have got shout yeah, When I say my shortest haircut, I mean something completely different. <laughs> yeah, like, right. I had to follow you there for a minute, but uh, I'm living vicariously. That stuff is flowing. It's got a very chips, 70s motorcycle riding vibe it's good hair and listen man. there's a part of me that's tempted to, to take a few jokes at my friend david's expense here because for those of you who found us on the internet and have never seen us uh, he's bald but i don't want i don't want to make too many jokes though because i, I have, don't make too many jokes i have because there story. might be some bears yes i have a story i need to tell this is going to be completely off topic but it's amazing so uh so uh years ago my sister was about to graduate college and um, several of us were going af- right after church to drive to uh, Tennessee, where she was in college, and we were going to spend a week in Gatlinburg before she graduated uh, Lee University there in, in Cleveland. And so uh, our pastor at the time, Pastor Potter, was was uh, also kind of hair impaired. Um, <laughs> and uh, incredible, incredible preacher, incredible man of God, but, you know, hair wasn't a strong suit, right? Uh, at least by that time. Uh, it was different in the 90s, you know. But... Uh, so he was preaching, and he made fun. My friend uh, Chris uh, had kind of this, like, wild red hair. Looks like a Viking, you know. And he, uh, Pastor Frank took a shot at his hair during the sermon, just teasing him a little. And so Chris hollers back, well, at least uh, at least you're not uh, – at least I'm not bald, you know. Um, now, flash forward a few years. Oh. <laughs> it may be <laughs> whatever judgment with which – shall be returned unto you you Uh, but anyway so background to the story me and my friend chris we're leading a youth bible study for for the boys and we were reading through like uh, this elijah and elisha was like our study for a period of time and so we get to this amazing story in second kings where elisha is coming back from working a miracle and a bunch of youths find him in the wood and start screaming at him saying go on up you bald head is what it reads in the new king james and 
Uh, it says that Elisha prayed and she bears, the old King James says, came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Now, I don't know how many youths there were, <laughs> but that's a lot of mauling. <laughs> and so the kids are all like stunned by this story, right? And so we start, you know, kind of using this as a behavior control tactic. Like, hey, you know, if you're acting up in youth group, don't forget, we can call the she bears on you, you know? <laughs> and so it becomes an inside joke among us. And so... Um, so anyway, so Chris makes fun of Pastor Frank's bald head on a Sunday morning. We get in the car. We drive to Tennessee. We're unpacking, uh, going into the cabin in Gatlinburg. And I swear to my soul, I am not lying, our house gets surrounded by three bears. <laughs> and one of them is like, looks like straight at Chris and like takes like this aggressive posture. I mean, we had like a safe distance, like we were just inside the kitchen, you know, but like they were there and it was like, and I looked over at Chris and says, oh my God, you called the preacher bald and now the bears are here to kill us. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I, that's why I'm refraining from, from some comments that I, that I'm tempted to make right now. Cause there you know, is, there is uh, uh we, and we've talked about it on the podcast before. There's this thing about like spiritual sons and fathers, inheritance, and all this stuff. So, uh, David inherited Potter's hairline, but I inherit David's beard. Come on. And Claim so. the best. I, I just want you to have the best, my friend. I'm, I'm with it all the way. And I didn't inherit his. Uh, I actually uh, had a, I think I, when I got out of prison and I came uh, to church there, I think was a huge blessing to a large demographic of the population, Pastor Frank not included, because he still holds on to the cul-de-sac around the side. <laughs> Pastor Frank, if you're listening, I love you, but I know you're not listening. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't know how to work the podcast <laughs> on your phone. That's true. The, but if anybody ever tells you about this, I, I'm, I, you do you. But there was a large demographic of very bald guys that didn't have the courage to put a razor to their head that after I showed up at New Life and I had determined I am not, not going to ride with a, you know, with a George Costanza look going, you know, mm-hmm. just not going to do it. And there were a lot of guys shortly after that that found out it was okay for a white guy to have just a, a straight, sh- up a straight bald yeah, head. shaved with a razor head. Yeah, I don't. And I feel like it was. I feel like it was deliverance for a lot of guys. So I'm just. <laughs> I, I feel great. honored that I got to bring that with me. Yeah. Yeah. Set some. Set the captives free, man. That's what we're here to do. <laughs> yeah. We're here to do. Sons of light to free the sons of light, whether to be reflections of Jesus Christ. And how, Come and on, how, and how great that light would be. Come on. <laughs> didn't be, know we would don't be, be a basket headed Christian. Come on. <laughs> didn't know we'd have to change stage lights. While we're, while we're redirecting the stage lights, let's redirect this conversation. I've had enough balls. Ironically, this will wind up being everyone's favorite 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is the least intellectual we've ever been, and everyone will love it with their whole heart. It'll be great. It shows us how human we are, <laughs> which a is a segue. great segue. What a, oh, and what we're talking about being human. I feel the swirl. <laughs> being human is a great thing. 
It's what we were made to be. It's what we were made to be. Mm-hmm. I'll let you have the floor, uh, Luke. So I've had I've had this. Uh, we were talking about what what to do a show in here, and the one thing that's really been on my heart the last uh, little bit because I've been I'm in the midst of writing a book on eschatology, so that involves somebody shouting. So uh, it'll be. <laughs> It will not be your typical eschatology book. Uh, but uh, that involves reading a lot of Revelation and stuff like that. And, and that means reading a lot of people sitting on thrones <laughs> and a lot of the saints over and a lot of Daniel. The, the saints are going to possess the kingdom, yeah, you cool. know, uh, and just all the, you know, this picture of us seated of, of these verses that say things like to him who overcomes, I will give to sit on my throne even as I sit on my father's. You know, so good. and it it's really hard. It's funny because I guess so many people read that book with. I don't want to go too far down this road this time because we'll. I'm sure we'll cover that in the future. But so many people read that book through such a wrong lens that it becomes like this is the book about God hating people so much that He just slaughters everyone. But like, if you're reading with the right lens at all, like you read the Book of Revelation, you come out of there like, how much value does God have for the Bride of Christ? Right. Mm. You know, like that, that that we're able to be raised victorious with it, you know, and um, and even been studying the book of Ephesians a little bit to preach out of it on a Wednesday night um, here at King Street, you know, and just reading Ephesians 1 and 2. It's impossible to read the book of Ephesians, the central theme of which is basically the purpose of the bride in Christ and the, the, the value of the body of Christ. Ephesians... You know, Paul prays a prayer over the people that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God would give them revelation of three things. Uh, you know, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, mm-hmm. um, you know, was the last one, the, the, uh, the hope of his calling, uh, and then the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints. Yeah. So Paul says, I, I'm, here's my prayer for you that the Holy Ghost shows you three things, and one of these is how important his inheritance is that is you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's this whole swirl in that book of like, Jesus as our inheritance, us as his inheritance. You know, uh, which which leads into the idea of bride of Christ in chapter five, because that's what marriage is, right? The husband is the wife's inheritance, and vice versa, right? Um, so there's this. Uh, it's it's impossible to be dwelling in all Ephesians and Revelation, all these places, but without sort of having this like shock to the system of how much God values us. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's you know. And I was so used to having grown up and 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 I grew up in a healthier religious paradigm than most people did, to be honest. But um, you know, but I've seen enough of the mainstream to know what it's like, you know. And there's this like inherent thing we always want to trash anything that was uh, that a human personality or mind or thought was involved in. Well, you know, that's of the flesh, and we need to be only of the spirit. And, and there's there's like a level of truth in that, and that we don't want it to be anything that's contradictory to the spirit, but it's like we don't give credit to the fact that God actually made us a new creation mm-hmm. that has the spirit living inside of us. Yeah. Right. I mean, even, if you even think about, there's a, think of all the ways God could have given the Bible and he chose to give the Bible in a way that we can read Paul's personality in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he could have just made it drop out of heaven as a, you know, magic dictation that didn't resemble any of the t- 
place and period and time that it came to, but that's not what he did. He said, I'm, I'm going to speak words that are words of spirit, but they're going to be, uh, released in a way that they sound like and demonstrate aspects of James and aspects of John Mm. and aspects of Luke and aspects of, of Moses. And so like, that's how much God valued man that he said, even when I reveal myself to people, you know, he does it, you know, partly through scripture, which is filtered through man. And then the primary and principal revelation of all, you know, was the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, you know, Jesus becomes the, the image of the invisible God, you know, the, the exact representation of the father. And he does that by becoming one of us. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I understand, I understand, um, because there really is an argument for like a uh, for like a pretty high view of of depravity on the other side of the cross. I also understand some counter arguments. I'm interested in that conversation. I'm not entirely sure 100 percent where I fall today compared to. But there's obviously this some level right in where we can see. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of evil that entered into man. There's a lot of fallenness that we can see demonstrated in man. But even in the lost, like there's still a, an an element of the image of God being revealed in them. You know, obviously nowhere near as much as it needs to be or will be when they yield, right? But, um, and yet for some reason we get in on the other side of the gospel, on the other side of being in Christ and not in Adam, uh, and we refuse to believe that God puts any value on on our, our humanity or our thoughts or just, uh, or even like, um, you know, I'm coming from a, a Pentecostal tradition, people that don't like that tradition like to say things like, oh, that worship, it's just emotionalism. Like, well, so are you saying that, like, the emotions, which are an essential part of a human being, should be not given over to God? Right. Because they're of because they're human, you know? Like, what are we going to say? That Are we going to – and I wonder if maybe some of this – trying to create this separation between flesh and spirit is really us trying to hold on to some areas where we can control because yeah, God can't good. care about this. Yeah, that's uh, good. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I've been talking about it. You want to jump into you have a, no, I just think, uh, uh, right. So, um, I don't know where to start, but I, I, I love well, just while you were thinking, I was just tracking with the idea of we, how we, we talk about, the narratives that most of the time that we talk about is like how in spite of Peter's humanity that God uses him to be this mouthpiece. We're like, see, God can, God can, um, take somebody who is, you know, brash and brazen and impulsive and in spite of his failures, then use him. And we, you know, you've seen, you know, we've all heard the messages about like, you know, David and his sin and Moses and being a murderer and God used all of these people. But he does, we kind of have the idea of he does it in spite of it, like he overlooks that. But he, you know, like I think, I think that he, he doesn't leave those things to be unredeemed because, well, he can use you for this little bit of his purpose and you've got this one useful thing, the rest of you is trash. So kind of use that one thing and then discard you again back into, you know, uh, that, that depraved place. And, and I just don't, it's just, it's not, it's not consistent with the idea of a group of people that are being trained to rule and reign in life. Yeah. Cause Jesus isn't afraid to have the hard conversations and, and, 
and while that that's incredible that's incredibly encouraging to us i think personally when we have this conversation like we have to i think one of the things that we have to um that takes a, a measure of faith for us to almost make war to recognize consistently is that we have been fully brought into union with God, whether or not we always feel like it or not. So that means that in that that he is in the process of refining all of the parts that don't feel spiritual so that they can all be of Christ. Mm. And that and the freedom in that is number one, that I get that I stop feeling all the time in my life like there are these things that wow, this is like this glory place and this is this difficult place or this is this place where God is with me and this is the place where he's disappointed with me. We know that all of that, right, is a lie, that he's not, that there's nowhere that he's not, that there's not a point in my life when, he, when I stop being beloved and there's not a point in him where I'm not as loved as I possibly could be. We know that, right? But we also, it also frees us up to start to see that there are some more places that God is going to bring a great redemption and a great glory. And that's exciting to me. That, I think that's the exciting part about this conversation. It's the exciting part of coming into it just an understanding that this is what it's going to mean to learn what it looks like to rule and reign with Christ as we're actually going to learn to be fully human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I think the uh, one of the thoughts that really triggered this whole topic is uh, uh, so I was listening to some teaching by a, a theologian named Dr. James Jordan, uh, very different world than I'm from, but I'm profiting quite a bit from studying from, and, uh, he, he made this comment in a message on the cross that we tend to focus on. He was actually talking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke really showed Jesus kind of stooping to be a man. And then you get into the crucifixion narrative and you really see him submitting to the will of Pilate, submitting to the will of Caiaphas, kind of going quietly. And you really see the kind of yielded suffering and in all of that is true but then john brings another piece that is also true uh it's the the manifold wisdom of god or the multicolored wisdom of god right um from ephesians 3 uh john has this other piece where uh you know jesus shows himself sort of be in control of the whole process like Mm -hmm. you know they come to arrest him and you know, he walks out in the midst of it. Right. Uh, they, you know, he's talking to Pilate like, you know, you don't have any power except what I gave you, you mm-hmm. know, right. Uh, all that kind of thing. And he makes this point that, you know, we so zone in on that, that view of that the incarnation as we're coming into to, uh, uh, Christmas time here. I know it's on a lot of people's minds, um, but you have this, um, we zero in on this idea that Jesus is stooping to become man, that it was this huge sacrifice. But it's like Philippians, he humbled himself to become a man, but then was raised in glory. And now every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is right. Lord. So is Jesus in less glory now that he has been in given flesh? No. Right. And he, and Dr. Jordan was making the point. Actually, we can look at it that Jesus actually gained glory by putting on humanity by becoming incarnate you know and then meanwhile we want to feel like you know and with that being the case so many of us are still walking around feeling like we have to apologize to god for being human you know and you know and he's in love with it (laughs) right he's in love with it what did what does it say in hebrews it says and uh and so to that he he loved to bring many sons to glory oh right 
That what does it say it, when it starts to talk about and he was made a little lower than the angels and it's talking about us and it says and and it brought him good pleasure. clothe them with glory and honor <laughs> to clothe them with glory and honor right and so so how beautiful is it to be human it's glorious it's glorious yeah and and then when he says you know he was not ashamed to be called their brethren come on yeah Jesus is not sitting here embarrassed that you're in the family like. Or that, or that you're human, yeah. or that he had to become human to rescue you. Because right. we talk about the di- divine humiliation of God when we talk about, I know that's the way, the way uh, around um, uh, the incarnation, I think, uh, Arrhenus, I think, does a really good job. Is that, who, is that the early church father that I'm thinking of that, that talks so much about the incarnation? Yeah, I, I'll correct that if I'm wrong. I think it's Arrhenus. Oh, oh, the book on the incarnation. Are you thinking of Athanasius, maybe? Athanasius, yeah. thank you. Yeah, so, I mean, Irenaeus talked about it plenty, too. But. Yeah, but, but Athanasius writes a book, and he starts by talking about, like, how he talks about the incarnation from the perspective of, you know, he came to his own, and his own knew him not, that it proves that that he is both creator, and then he becomes creature to prove that the creature has authority even over creation. Mm-hmm. And he becomes the creation and the creator they're together being intermingled which is fantastic to think about and it's the point that he's making now i love one of the things you said the other day about how you know we need not to get we need not to get like um paint ourselves into a corner when we start to think about the incarnation because it exposes so many of those things right it exposes the fact that like i mean i mean it shows his kingship it shows um it 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 shows like um uh, uh, a, uh a cosmic reunion Right of like here comes the the light again, and here comes the beast of the field again, and here comes man again to once again come to that place of recreation when when the creator is showing back up in the field. Right, there's all of these beautiful things, but I love this. I was I love this. It says John says, and there's a bunch of theologians around this topic who think that like um, I'm I'm thinking I'm gonna misuse the. I'm always afraid when I try to use these terms that I'm going to say something that is occult instead of Christian. But I think it's called the tetragram. Is that what it's called? Tetragramanon? Yeah, the, is that the four letters? Yeah, yeah the four letters. Yeah. And the, so, so there's also, I think the tetragram is the coinciding, the idea that the four letters also um, coincide with the four faces on the beast. And then the oh, idea that, that the gospels are written from those four perspectives also, from the eagle, from the man, from the man. And so when it talks, so when he says, that, that the idea that to look from from the perspective that it's interesting that um, that he said that it says that he is the light of the world right and so depends on which way that you believe that that works and what you believe that John's gospel is trying to accomplish but it says he's the light of the world he came into the world he was the light of men and then Jesus goes on and says you're the light of the world yeah right and so so that it's trying to introduce us to the idea that um, that this illumination that I've brought into the world, this illumination that I've brought into the world is an illumination that is also on you and that this becomes a part of his great goal. So when we look at the incarnation, we can talk about the rescue plan, but the rescue plan into what? The rescue plan back into being a part of the family of God so we can be sons of glory. And I love this uh, this conversation around this. The reason why I went through all of that is to say, not only is this not a new thought, but like just the idea that I love that we are extending out. I love that what God is doing right now is He is extending out the idea of being rescued for some, not just rescued from something, but rescued for something, and that is coming into the eyes of the believer. Yeah. We're starting to learn what to do with it, man. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I, that's exciting. I mean, that's like, that feels like that's what's stirring in me is that we're starting to, even as we talk around eschatology and some of the conversations we've had around righteousness, it's like we're starting to come out of an, out of a place of just, I'm so glad to be free from sin that we're coming into being sons of God. Yeah. Right. Cause there was a purpose. There was a purpose for Adam that was beyond just, you know, staying alive. <laughs> Yeah, right. 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 So right. so if what Jesus came to restore is everything that was lost in Adam. Come on. Mm-hmm. Well, there was something that Adam was supposed to have done. It's not like God created him to just sort of like, all right, here's your here's the purpose of your existence. Avoid eating this fruit. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> yeah, that's Forever. right. Um, <laughs> oh, that sounds that sounds like American Christianity. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and so that but that's kind of if we turn the gospel into nothing that but this is how you get out of health. And that's exactly what we've done. We've said, okay, God just wants to restore us to not being under judgment, you know, yep. or whatever. But like, okay, now we're no longer under condemnation. What do we do now? There you right. go. You know, and so. Uh, Shine. And so what was Adam's mission? I mean, so God makes uh, the world and then he plants a garden in Eden, mm-hmm. right? He speaks everything to existence and then actually takes some time and puts to put seed in the God's personality fascinates me mm-hmm. here because um, why take the time to create over six days when you could have done it? You could have just said, let there be and it all be mm-hmm. right. <laughs> but there's this, but he puts himself through a process, even though he had no need to. And then he takes time to plant seeds in a garden and grow it and present it to the man. And then he says, okay, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion over the earth. And, and basically, if you read into what it's saying, it's basically saying, the, here's the earth, make the earth look like this garden. Here's your mission, you and all yeah. the you know, descendants you'll have. You know? um, and so that's what we're back to supposed to be doing. Yeah. yeah, but we still have this like pauper mentality of like I'm just trying to not go to hell. I'm just trying. Yeah. To I mean, the, the issue of whether you're going to hell or not should have been settled like the moment you confess Christ. Yeah. Like, you know, should have never had to enter your mind again. Yeah. Um, but we've just had this idea of the survival thing. Yeah. Um, mm. And I'm kind of jealous to see people come out of that. And do you? So are you saying? Uh, maybe I'm just marrying t- two things that you, that is not a point that you're making, but I think is a point worth making. That like that God loves humanity, and He loves when we are being human. Yeah. So we're going to be something. I think we have the idea that we're going to be something other than human. But He enjoys. He created humans not so that we could avoid being human, but so that He could we could be fully what it was what it meant to be to be an image bearer of god right i mean uh, uh the how should i word this yeah i mean it's not it's when god made man he said this was very good yeah yeah you know um correct me if i'm wrong i don't have it in front of me but if i'm under the impression that like he said this is good this is good this is good and then man says this is very good yeah. like put it in uh so uh you know, so man was the crown jewel of the creation, right? He, yeah. You know, the this whole, like, thing that you get from, like, environmentalists and stuff. Well, the earth would be better if we weren't here. There'd be no purpose for all the other stuff being here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here. that's right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and so, uh, so if man was good before the fall and the purpose of Jesus coming was to restore us to what we had before the fall, 
Ergo, Redeemed Man is very good. Is yes, very Which good. doesn't mean that I'm blind to, you know, all the suffering. It doesn't mean I'm blind to all the horrible things that even regenerated people have done because they've not acted like who they've been made into, right? Um, there's a lot of... You know, I am not some pie-in-the-sky, unrealistic guy about that stuff, but, uh, but I believe the word is more important than all of the... Th- circumstances we encounter that makes us want to push against it yeah mm-hmm. you know and so um i'm not saying that there's not things to fix in your life or whatever but i am saying it that the areas that need changing are really areas where uh you're you've not come into alignment with what the word is actually says about what your new nature is yeah mm-hmm. that's right and haven't yet seen glorified right but as long, so yeah, and we don't. I, I'm I'm just saying I'm not. We're not responsible. To, I don't feel responsibility to answer every question for everything that everybody has ever done. So I can say whether or not humanity is good or not, and uh, um, or or even redeemed humanity. I don't think that uh, I don't think that humanity itself, <laughs> apart from Christ, is good. As a matter of fact, I think that it's. Bible's pretty clear that like you're still in conversation with the devil if you have not yet been brought into Christ. So I'm not right. saying that, but I don't feel a responsibility to make an answer for everything that everybody has ever done either. I'm just responsible to speak as if the life that I'm experiencing presently in union with Christ and the life that my daughters and the life that those I'm speaking to, that it's possible for us to enjoy laughter. It's possible to, for us to enjoy raising children. It's possible for us to enjoy all of that. And that it actually brings pleasure to God. Yeah. That it br- brings brings pleasure to God when we are alive and we're enjoying our. I mean, you were you were talking just a minute ago, and you were like, all of the when you, what you were talking about. You know, people would say that's ludicrous for us to say. Um, you know, the creation only exists for man to use. A, man is a virus to humanity. Look, there's no read for, no need for fossil fuels if I don't need horsepower. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm here to enjoy them, you know, and, and be fully alive as I do so. Uh, now, I, I, of course, I'm not like a fatalist, so I don't I don't think that uh, I, I don't think that that the global warming is what's going to end the earth anyway. Um, and I don't, I don't want to have that whole conversation, but, um, and I'm also not the kind of guy who's like, we're getting out of here as you'll have, if you haven't learned yet, then if you haven't figured that out, then you'll figure it out in at least an episode or two. (laughs) But I just feel like there's, that we need to have conversations around the fact that, that this union with God has has made it so that it's not just the things that we do. And I'm a mystical dude. I love prayer. I love um, I love the things of the spirit. I love to to walk with people. You know, we said many times if it was up to me, if I was like, if I was the only voice among a group of people, the only thing that we would ever we would never have. I would I have never once organized a church game. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not saying that like that we should. I'm for not, context, for those of you who don't know us, yeah, this man literally held a revival service for his birthday party, fortieth birthday party, fortieth yep. birthday <laughs> party. He said it's it my fortieth birthday, birthday party I've ever been to. <laughs> We're gonna have a revival. <laughs> I want to get all my friends together and us to go after God. So if that tells you anything yes. about who I am, that's right. that if it's a, if it was up to me and I was the only voice and I thought that, that it was all that mattered, all we would do is pray and worship 
and operate and and lay hands on people and see the gifts of the spirit and you know just can't keep running and keep but I, I'm learning that there's such a beauty that that's not the only thing that God cares about about me mm-hmm. and um and man I'm I'm learning that like he loves when I laugh with my kids and that's no less holy that's not secular that's sacred to him yeah. I'm learning that he loves when I enjoy my backyard you know, and uh, and I, my wife is planting trees. It that is a holy thing to the Lord. Mm. Like He loves that. He loves when I enjoy it. I see and I feel the pleasure of the Lord when I take time. You know, with my my daughter. I remember we were walking out of uh, Burger King, and they've got like a we don't have. Uh, we don't yet have very many places to eat in Keysville. Prophesy that if you had. Yet, I said. I, I had to text that out earlier. Shout. Yet, because it, it just broke in my spirit. I can't, I can't say that that's the way it'll always be. But uh, we were coming out of the Burger King, and there were like some, um, some annuals. First of all, I always mix up perennials and annuals because I think that if they're going to come back every year, they should be called annuals. Yeah, right. Isn't that, but but it actually know, means that they only stick around for one year. Isn't that right? And perennials are the ones that come back every year. No, you don't want to ask me these questions. Okay. I, I inherited like incredible flowers at my last home, and they were dead in two years. So. Point being, whatever this, whatever, whichever one of them dies every year, is like a little flower that you that you get for like you know fifty cents or something at the at the hardware store. Uh, and there's nothing special about it. And she's just big enough to reach up and hold my finger. And we're walking out of uh, the Burger King, and she's like, she wants to stop to smell it. Hmm. Right? And there's, to me, it's a travesty that they have those out in this barrel <laughs> with like a bunch of cigarette butts put out in next to oh, it. Oh, gosh, yeah. But to her, it's beautiful because of flower. And I remember we stopped for her to enjoy that. And, you know, and I'm asking my heart, why can't I enjoy things like, and we had this moment and I feel the pleasure of the Lord in those things. Yeah. Right. And all of that may seem like just, uh, just fancy talk for, uh, or, or fanciful talk of, of learning to enjoy life. But that's not actually what I'm saying. I'm saying that like, um, that there are many more things that the Lord is redeeming in, on his way to having the whole earth. And we are called to have the eyes to see them. Mm-hmm. And our, the, the beauty of the way that we enjoy all of those things, art, and I'm finding a new appreciation in my life. I mean, I'm just, anybody that doesn't know me, I'm just the talk in tongues, lay hands, pray, prophesy, Worship, go in, guy. I don't. I, I've, for years, I felt like there was no other reason to be alive, which has always been the strangest thing because God has put always put me in the positions where I feel like I am, if not the, if I, I'm one of few who just wants to just go, 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 and um, and part of that was I lived years thinking that that was what was going to bring revival, um, and uh, and and I can say that. That was what led me to a place where I could appreciate revival. But, but I am I am personally just loving the enjoyment of things like art, mm-hmm. of of 
uh, things like creating, things that I didn't know that I would love so much that are just coming alive in me. And they're coming alive in me because I don't think that they are contrary to my development as a mature son of God anymore. I'm learning that cooking is something that I, I love the way ingredients come together, and it's part of my maturing as a son of God. It's not a break from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, so this is actually like a culmination of, of what Luke was talking about and what you're talking about is that God's not in a hurry. Um, like he took six days to make everything and then he puts man in a garden that he took time to make. He's very patient. He's not in a hurry and we can get caught in like, we need to have prayer all the time and meetings all the time because we are going to worship God to earth, right? We're going to pray the kingdom down and um, he, he wants us to worship and he wants us to pray. It's, it's clear that he wants that. But he also wants us to slow down and walk with him in the town we live in. He yeah. also wants us to learn how to cook because what does cooking do it takes the things that he's created for us to enjoy and it teaches us how to combine things together for our enjoyment in the things that he has given us it's discipling ingredients it's discipling (laughs) ingredients and like what is painting yeah it is taking the mixture of the colors that he's made and putting them on a canvas And it's actually teaching us what cooking and painting and gardening teach humans to do is to be like our dad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It teaches us to create things and to mix things and to share things and experiences in life. And it, it shares our humanity with one another and, uh, it, yeah, it makes us like him. And well, and that's, I mean, that's literally taking dominion over the earth, right? Right. So, right. I mean, think about, if you think about it, when God made the Garden of Eden, literally everything that was necessary for there to be airplanes was there. Come on. Right. It, t- right. it took a few thousand years, maybe yeah. more, depending how you want to interpret all that stuff. It took a long time for mm-hmm. us to figure it all out and say, wait, if I put this metal on and get this engine turning at this level, right. then we can get a fire that'll put it. Right. But everything that was necessary for man to get to the moon was, was in the ground. Shout. Right. From of old. Right. Been given everything we need for so, life and godliness. And, and God, was, right. God wasn't concerned that it took so long. Yeah. Nope. But uh, at the same time, like, it's always there. And we, if we could time travel into, you know, 2,000 years in the future, we would not recognize the world as it is. But there's everything that would have been done to change the world 2,000 years from now is in the ground now. Yes, sir. Yeah. Waiting to be uncovered. You're waiting to be discovered. And so uh, all of these other things are part of the endeavor. What The original endeavor that God set out to, uh, the, the redemption of Christ was to make Satan's rebellion and the rebellion of Adam and Eve irrelevant to the plan. Come on. To get it back to what it was supposed to be. Well, yeah. what was it supposed to be? If you put out, have if, if you throw out, you know, uh, the effects of sin, if they had never happened, what would it have looked like? And what Jesus was here to do is say, I'm going to make it exactly like that again for those that are in Christ. And so, um, so that being the case, these things are not like secondary or unimportant anymore. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I mean, some of my biggest experiences of the joy of the Lord have been have been cookouts, right? Yeah. 
you know, um, I, we t- told a story to another. I'll, I'll redeem another missing piece from the last episode. <laughs> so <laughs> we tried to shoot an episode We one night where we started too late and we ate too much food beforehand and we were just sleepy and we couldn't even understand what each other were saying. It was bad. But almost we, happened tonight. We made a bunch it of really good points, happens. but then like there were like these long lulls. We're like, what are we talking about? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll just start salvaging some stuff from that. So... Uh, so we had a revival uh, uh, service at a school I taught at, a, a Christian school. We would do this sort of like spiritual emphasis week at the school, kind of a youth camp at school type thing. And um, so, uh, you know, we brought some preachers in, had some worship, and we had this incredible outpouring of the Spirit. For four or five years, it happened every year. I mean, just some of my, still some of my greatest memories in, in the kingdom. And uh, so one night, uh, you know, we have a we have a girl who's uh, just get, getting into like a vision realm and just seeing you know waterfalls and all this stuff, kind of this vision, and she's seeing stuff and pointing to it and she's like, "Do you see that over there?" And people are like, "No, we don't see anything like that over there." But then they'd walk to where she was pointing and start falling out in the Holy Ghost. Like, come on, it was like, they, so you know, she's not yet come out of this place, and a bunch of us go over to my uh, house for supper afterwards and uh you know all, all the ministry team and three or four of the kids that were old enough to have cars and stuff just, you know kind of wound up coming along and so uh we're eating uh granny b's fried chicken which if you're in the farmville area do yourself a favor and i'm sure you already have if you're in the farmville area actually let's not let's not, let's not kid ourselves if you come to farmville. farmville if you're coming if you ever come to farmville yeah that's, that's a good piece of fried chicken ladies and gentlemen so <laughs> So we're eating Granny Beast, and uh, some of you may remember our, our friend Ben Robbins, who guested a couple episodes ago. Um, he's he was the the minister that particular day, and uh, we are just chowing down on some fried chicken, and and uh, the girl is seeing like an angel outside of the window of the dining room, and every time we say anything glorifying the Lord, she would watch the angel come nearer to us. And then I just love this. This messed with my head so much. Ben's diving into this like chicken breast and says, Oh, Jesus, this is good. And when he does, the angel comes closer as it fascinated, like he's been fascinated. Remember, the angel's desire to look into our worship. But our worship was, Oh, praise Jesus, this is some fried chicken. As he's eating, right? Half the people would have been so religious, they'd been like, you're taking the name of the Lord in vain. <laughs> evidently, <laughs> evidently, that's not how Evan felt about it, right? right. So, but what, what were we learning from the, innocently, we wound up having to like carry a couple of the kids out to the car because they were shaking under the power. It was great. It was, it was a fun, it was a fun dinner. We wound up showing them some Brownsville testimony, baptism videos. It, it oh was, it was, God. it was wonderful. Um, it was a great night, but. Uh, but like a moment like that, we had that just powerful revival worship, all that. And then we got together and we had family and it was the same encounter, you know. And uh, I think some of the reason we don't see that more is because people, a lot of churches try to reach for the family thing without reaching for the revival thing. And it mm. doesn't quite satisfy because it turns into social club and trying to meet each other's needs and trying to be some, you know, I'm going to try to get my need met by leeching off of someone else instead of, uh, you know, us gathering around this common love of presence. Hmm. And then I've seen other places that have have tried to do revival without the family thing. And it it gets off because it's all about like, we're trying to have a, we're trying to have an experience for its own sake. And we don't really care about each other afterwards. Right. Um, And, and, but 
both of those things ought to be married together, but they ought to be equally holy because of the fact that they were both part of the mission of God yeah. was to live in the fellowship of the Holy Ghost and in the fellowship of each other. You know? That's super good. Yeah, I don't think, um, you know, I, I was thinking about a statement I was saying earlier, and I, and I, I would just want to, like, I, what I've learned is that um, we are not absent of responsibility in revival, right? right. Like, like, um, I, I, I don't know. We, we have to, we have to bring our hunger. I don't want to overemphasize our how much our hunger has an effect, but I, I just like there's Jesus has paid for more than what we are presently experiencing in no doubt in, in life, right? Yeah. But. What has what is what is almost as unbearable as living without revival is living disheartened while you're waiting for it. Mm. Because if you're disheartened while you're waiting for it, you're probably not going to have the eyes to see. There's this incredible scripture that says, Their hearts grew dull, therefore they couldn't see or hear. Yeah. And if you're not in enjoyment then you it's quite possible that you're going to miss when the sparks happen in the little things they won't be enough to wake you up out of your lull because your heart will have been in such discouragement mm. right so i think on both sides of what i've learned even in the even just in the measures over the past few years that we've seen of these moments where the sparks were happening, the sparks were happening, the sparks were happening, is that I recognize there were a lot of times God was doing things that I wouldn't have recognized if I just didn't have my heart so full of wonder to look at everything as beautiful. Mm -hmm. I would have said, well, that's not enough to call anything. And yet it was like, it might have been the it might have not been what happened in Brownsville or might not have been happened what happened in Toronto or might not have been what happened somewhere else or might not be what happened last time. But this might be the very thing that is the seedbed of that is that is the pieces to the airplane or whatever, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I just have to have a heart to reckon. And also on the other side of that, once you live in, once got the spirit of God, once you're in that wave of revival, once you're in the wave of God's doing something in the midst of you, if you, if your life is, you still can't enjoy anything else, it still won't be enough to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. right. But what does it take for a community really sustain revival? And so we actually love the life that God has given us and we're enjoying all of the facets of it. And brother, that's the way that I, I don't know. I, that's the way the older I get, that's the more that I want to live is like with a group of people who, who love to be together, who love to pursue God, who love to raise their families in the Lord, who love to live in wonder, who love to track with the things in the spirit, who love to talk about dreams and visions as much as they love to talk about good art and great music and yep. you know what I'm saying and and the things that we love and and to do cool things together and all you know and and all of it is a beautiful glorious life all of it is a beautiful glorious life mm -hmm. and we're redeeming the earth by doing it yeah I I guess I should clarify when I say like cooking and painting and all of that stuff is learning to be like God don't stop praying don't stop worshiping listen listen 
we're laughing now, but listen, there have been seasons in my life where God's telling me like, I'm not in a hurry. So what I take that as is, oh, I can be a little lazier now. And that's, that's not what he meant. He didn't mean like, you don't have to read your Bible every day. What he meant was stop acting like this is all on you. Give me some of the wheel back, but like keep spending more time with me. So like, if you're going to, if you're going to understand that God is patient and that he's not in a rush, it doesn't mean like kick back and watch more YouTube. Yeah, I actually actually find out the more that I'm living life in joy, I I spend more time in the presence of the Lord, um, not out of duty, but out of gratitude. Yeah, yeah. So, like, my whole thing lately has been uh, spending time with the Lord, and He's been talking to me about uh, music. He's been talking to me. He told me the other day, he said, the album that you want to write is not the album that you're going to write. And that hurt my feelings. (laughs) It hurt my feelings because I'm like, I've been working on this thing for a year. And it is not. (laughs) So, but what he's been doing is like the type of music that I've enjoyed all of my life has been really just heavy aggressive music and there have been a lot of people that have tried to uh and have done what is like christian heavier music and uh so i'm like well if they can do it i can do it but the real answer and question is like did i ever think like god what do you what do you want me to do and what have you graced and gifted me to do and my whole life I've been really good at playing like simple uh like pretty music and I've never cared about it ever in my life because I'm like oh I can just like pump these things out like push-ups and just whatever but when it comes to like more technical music I just am frustrated and I'm like I'm just not good at, at this and um we had the conversation last night about the many colors and what people are gifted in and like not just understanding what I personally am gifted in, but what other people are gifted in. And anyway, uh, God's been showing me like I've put things in you for you to do that we can enjoy together. Just like, let me make you who I'm making you to be. Mm. And my, uh, my acceptance of that is like, well, Lord, you made me and you call the shots, right? And so if you're not in a hurry, I'm not in a hurry. And if you're not trying to like make me do stuff, I'm not going to try and make me do stuff. So we're going to do this thing together. And, uh, so now I'm on a completely different track of understanding what it means to um, stop trying to produce something and to stop trying to like make things happen and just let things be 
as they are as the Lord handles them, including like how I am as a person and developing. And he's just showing me like how patient and kind he really is and how okay he is with me being human because he made me to be that. And uh, it's very interesting. And so for the last two days, I've had this internal struggle with music because I listened to, uh, I did not listen to any heavy music today and it was weird. (laughs) It was weird. I found worship leaders on Spotify that I've never even heard before that have like millions and millions of people that listen to them. And I'm like, oh, this one song's really cool. Oh, it has like a billion listens in the the last five years. And uh, yeah, man, Uh, God's a musician. Mm. He sings songs over us all the time and there are songs that he sings over us that some of us catch and like that's what you hear in spontaneous worship sometimes and there are songs that he sings over us that haven't even been heard yet Mm. Um, and there's going to be a worship leader multiple worship leaders out in the world that you're not going to lead these songs on a stage on Sunday you're actually going to find them in your room Mm. and you're going to play them and you're going to record them and some of them you're probably not going to release for a really long time Hmm. and some of you are going to release them and no one's going to listen to them for a really long time and that's okay and yeah and I think even more than that there's going to be people that you're going to you're going to never record it yeah the song of the Lord over a region or just the David songs from the shepherd field are just, you have no idea. And that's part of what we're talking about. I've been saying God's as beautiful as he is methodical. And uh, so are we, we're carriers of glory. We're be, we're, we are, we are made to be, you know, those who he justified. He also glorified. Mm-hmm. We're lighting this thing up, right? We're here to turn on the light and for the world to come alive. And I think that there are people who are also carrying songs and sounds and even art and man it may be i don't know recipes but i specifically believe about this this expression of creativity there are sounds over regions that are going to open up and they're going to open up measures that are gonna of heaven that are just going to be poured out over regions as there are people that hear these sounds mm-hmm. hear these songs and some of them aren't even words they're just melodies they're just things that heaven is saying and they they carry a rhythm i mean i'm I don't know, man. I, I I know that I know that there's a reason why the Psalms have a specific rhythm to the way that they're written. There's a reason why Salah is in there, and I believe that there is actually cadence to heaven. And there yeah. are people who are finding those sounds, and those sounds are opening up new ways of uh, new thoughts in the body of Christ, places that we haven't even had revelation for, and all of it is associated with the beauty of the kingdom coming in sons that enjoy it, sons and daughters that find joy and glory in the Lord as we just light this thing up. I I don't know, man. I just think we're here to turn the whole thing. 
hey, look, what if the reason why the Bible says it's going to be engulfed in fire is because we're going to have so much light on that the last <laughs> thing that this thing looks like is just like it's completely on fire, that the sons of God are going to be so illuminated, that we are going to be so reflective, that the mirror is going to be so clear, that the suns are going to be so bright, that it's like this thing got swallowed up in fire. So isn't... Uh isn't sound vibration and isn't light also vibration? Yeah. So light, when it's turned up, when, so, so sound is a vibration. And when that vibration vibrates fast enough, it becomes what we call the speed of light. Uh huh. Right. So it's a certain frequency, but that frequency is a vibration and that vibration moves fast enough that it becomes light. Right. Yeah. So when God said, let there be yeah. light, yeah. The word be became light. Light became light as it left God's mouth and vibrated at the speed so, so that it kept. So, yes, yes, the frequency, the vibration, the shaking of the kingdom yeah. is a sound. And that sound of the shaking of the kingdom is also an illumination. Yes. Yeah. Let that one sink in for a little bit. <laughs> so there are sounds that are actually lighting up the, the earth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's a frequency to heaven. Anyway, it's good to be the glorious sons of God. It's good to be. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a really fascinating theological controversy that emerged in the early church uh, over this idea of uh, I guess they they use this Latin term communicato idiotum, which basically meant. Uh, the communication of attributes, you know, the, between like Jesus coming and being fully God and fully man, like to what extent was there like an exchange of nature, you know, because you don't want it to, you don't want to diminish the fact that he was both God and man in two natures, but there was also some sense in which they were brought together, right? And yeah. it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating time period to kind of study what what people thought, but there there really was this sense a lot among a lot of the early church fathers that like. And, and I mean, you can find it in scripture that there's something about being joined to God that happened in the incarnation that when Jesus becomes of the same nature as us by taking on our flesh, it fundamentally changes man Yeah, in a way that I think is deeper than, than what we've tended to when we view things just through this very, this very legal lens of what gets people in or out of getting judged on judgment day, which yeah. is not unimportant, but it's not the whole gospel and it's not even the core of the gospel. Yeah. And, the, and, I, and that's, it, it's sad. Um, it, it's sad because I think the Eastern Orthodox view, the Orthodox view is very different than kind of our predominantly evangelical, I think, or at least Protestant view about this because they would say, they were taking some in a passage like Psalms 82, where it says, I think it's 82, where, where it calls us gods, right? And they would be far less um, offended at that as we are because they wouldn't see it as, as us being in the same essence as God. I think the way that they said that this topic was approached when we started to talk about the glorification of humanity. I think that the, that the way that it was uh, verbalized was something like uh, we can be, we, we partake by grace of what God is by essence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
right? Uh, that the that our union to the Trinity is important both to us and to the Trinity in that it was the desire of God in his original creating us and that um, to go as far as to say that uh, us becoming like Christ is as important to Christ and to the Father's mission as Christ becoming like us was. And to see those two things together um, causes us to see that that our our prayer life, our communion, and our recognition of our union with God is actually producing something. Mm -hmm. And I believe that it is something that these things we were talking about tonight with all the many rabbit trails, I believe that it's something that is as important or even more important to what we have called fulfilling the Great Commission or or um, the work of ministry, you know, kind of evangelism, serving the poor, and, and all of that stuff is incredibly important. But that we become like Christ through looking deeply into that mirror mm-hmm. is as important or more important. So the glorification of God. I, I'd like to do, maybe this is the podcast we were supposed to shoot, but I, I would have liked to have done just a, just that right there. That's just so rich, man. I think the, that, that whole idea of illumination is beautiful. Which verse is it um, where he says that? I think it's 1 Peter 2.10. We've become partakers of the divine nature. Yep, theosis. Yeah. And there's also the promise that's in... Is it Second Thessalonians uh, that he will sanctify you, mind, spirit, and body? He who is faithful will do it. See, I'm glad. I'm glad you went there because so so a big piece of this idea is like you need to see. John G. Lake said this. He says God does not save souls; he saves men. Yeah. yeah. And man is body, soul, and spirit. Yeah. So he's here to save your body, your soul, and your spirit. That's right. And your, you know, if however many ways you want to divide man into, you could say your, your will, your there's not a piece of your nature that God did not intend to consecrate. That's right. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, there's old, there's a tendency of people because we have, you know, the the one of the. Um, biggest heresies that like early Christians had to fight is this idea of Gnosticism, which was this idea that basically people said, um, this is a very, very short version of it. But the idea is, you know, we can't, the, the natural world can't be valued because the, you know, the only thing that matters is the spiritual world, which is immaterial and unfit. And so therefore sometimes some people would take it into, so it doesn't really matter what you do with your filthy human body anyway, because it doesn't matter to sin all you want, which was horrible heresy. Or the other horrible heresy was to say, uh, you know, that you needed to like, you know, basically ruin your natural life because your natural life is evil and, and salvation is escaping it. Mm-hmm. And a significant chunk of the new Testament is written against proto versions of what that developed into. Sure. Right. And so, um, so unfortunately we have imported a lot of that thought yeah i was gonna say the same thing and so what happens is so someone dies you're at a funeral 
Um, and, and, you know, there's always, you know, the awkward comment where someone, you know, looks, says how peaceful they look in the hair or something. And someone's like, no, they're not in there, you know, right. Um, <laughs> listen, the worst thing in the world, funerals are okay. Cause you're at least dealing with your emotions. The weirdest things in the world are those like family nights the night before where everyone's like standing around the dead body, like trying to talk about how hunting's going with a second cousin they haven't seen in three years. You know, it's the worst thing in the world, but, uh, <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, <laughs> but um but there's this there's this thing where people want to say well no he's not really there well a third of them is yeah uh-huh you know now we have to believe that that death doesn't have that sting that actually that third's going to be raised up with Christ but yeah. like that's the thing like one of the most neglected basic themes is uh, the physicality of the resurrection mm-hmm, like right. your human body is going to rise again you know, yeah. it's not just you go off to a floaty place forever. Right. It's you go off to a floaty place waiting until the day where your body is brought back and you're put back together. You know, we don't long to be unclothed, but further clothed. Yeah, that's say. right. Um, that's why I like C.S. Lewis had this idea of in some of his books of presenting heaven as being more solid than earth. Right. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so we we need to not like reject the physical world yeah and our net when paul talks about overcoming the flesh he's using the flesh as a figure of speech about the sin nature that died on the cross yeah that right? we should reckon dead and so people take the lane, the metaphorical use of flesh to mean old man yeah to mean sin nature and then they apply that to your actual body yeah and and to illustrate to you how those that phrase can be used in two ways God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And love not the world. That's right. Mm-hmm. And they both came from writings of John, if I recall correctly, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, how can he say that? Because world in John 3.16 is talking about the actual world. Yeah. When it says don't love the world, it's using world metaphorically to mean the systems of how yeah. the unredeemed world still under demonic influence yeah. functions, thinks, and acts. Yeah. Right, so, so because so, do we want? Uh, so we're not saved by the works of the flesh, but works of the you know, uh, in right, etc. But that doesn't mean that the flesh, meaning your actual skin and bones, is evil. Uh, and that's in more proof of the fact that your actual skin and bones is important is how much of Jesus's ministry he spends healing people's skin, bones, and flesh. Come on. Yeah. You know, um, and so uh, we don't we don't need to have this like semi gnostic thing of like you know this world doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is the other world. Actually, the other world's going to come here if you yeah that's right actually yeah, yeah. read the end of the book right yeah. Um, and so you know, I mean, most of the imagery most of the imagery that we have of heaven when people picture it, we see pearly gates, streets of gold, and a river of life, and tree. It's talking about the new heavens and the new earth. From Revelation 21 and 22, all of that language could just as easily apply to earth as it can to heaven. Right. Yeah. I think it's a dual thing, you know, it's because the whole purpose of it is is they're brought back together. Yeah, right? that's right. Which is, the idea, which is the idea of temple is the place where heaven and earth are reunified. And then the scripture tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? Yeah, so right. We're, we are the place where heaven and earth. I am currently sitting in a chair in uh, Keysville, Virginia, and I'm also currently seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Yeah, that's right. I can't explain Jesus- that second part entirely. I can't perceive it entirely at this moment in time, but it, the word says that it's true. Um, and so... 
uh, there's there's not a we should not have this same sort of radical separation or, or radical dichotomy between being, you know, uh, in Earth and 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 uh, existing in a physical world and and also existing in a heavenly one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the error that has brought us to that place is that we don't we don't preach about the resurrection, the future hope? Um, we don't communicate that we don't talk in accordance with those lines because we are more kind of, uh, uh we, we find, kind of find it more appropriate to be comforting in that time instead of actually be correct. What do you think makes us, I remember hearing N.T. Wright talking about, he was preaching a funeral one time at, uh, and, and the only thing he did was correct theology about the resurrection, about what was next to happen for the individual. And I just thought that that was, that was glorious in, in all of its way. And I remember having a conversation in the coffee shop with a lady and she was talking about like, she, oh, that they, was powerful. I was there that night. Yeah. They, and I, I sort of feel like that was one of the nights where you're like, well, maybe I will stay in Virginia a while because like we were in there and she was saying something along the lines of like, my sister just died. And instead of telling or like you know god needs another angel or some sort of corny phrase that i i can't say that because that's that's not what happened to her <laughs> and we don't become angels yeah, exactly that's yeah. not in the scripture <laughs> yeah that's exactly because right. it says you because literally when we'll they ask them. jesus yet yeah, we will judge them that's right you don't uh, want to be them yeah well, uh, i thought we were uh, uh, I was going to go there a minute ago when I was talking about the the union of us into the divine council, but I didn't want to go all the all the way there immediately. But but the, the talking to her about the resurrection and about the, the future hope of a resurrection and that that she will one day be back here and that you know uh, that why we just don't we don't talk about those things and is it because I wonder why it is but I I really want to raise up a group of people I think even though it almost feels like you're you're paddling uphill but to give people a sound theology would probably keep us from needing those cheap trinkets to pacify our emotions for a moment yeah and and I've gone through you know premature death in the family within the last couple years you know I lost my father to cancer and you know, I think to me, one of the most comforting things was the idea of the resurrection of the dead. Yeah. And, and in, when you're in a moment like that, I, I, some people are different to me, almost nothing will piss you off more than when somebody just gives you some stupid church cliche, yeah. you know, in a moment like that, he's but, in a better place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, I know he is, but you know, this was also wrong. Like there's a reason death feels wrong because yeah, it was never supposed to happen. Come right? on. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, Jesus, he through death destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and in undoing the fear of death, liberated man who was subject to bondage, right? That was Hebrews. I butched the quotation just a little bit, but the, so like God had, God never intended for Adam to die, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or, and so uh, that was not supposed to be part of the original plan. And so there's a reason why death it just never makes sense to people when it happens. It's confusing uh, and, to and the, the heart because it doesn't tried, exist yeah, in the realm that we live in. People have tried to philosophize and get poetic about it and treat it like it's like a friend or like it's like, oh, you know, I can't wait till I go beyond or whatever. And or like, it's inevitable. That, yeah, that's all that stuff is just a defense mechanism against the fact that we know in our spirit, man, that it's not. It's it not has no sting and it's not supposed and to And so be. 
I mean, I think in a moment where if anyone is listening to this is facing with loss, you know, I, I would lean into the fact that death has no sting because, you know, though in Christ will rise again. Yeah. Yeah. And and, de- and and the only thing that's left for death is death. It will experience right. it because it is the only thing that is supposed to be in death. There's this great Puritan uh, but I've never read the book. I don't even know enough about what's in it to say if I could agree with it. But there was a the title I just love. But there was a an old uh, book appeared in devotional literature that the title of it was "The Death of Death in the Death of Christ." Come on, somebody. Wow. <laughs> that, well, that's how I open up every funeral. Is I say the reason why right now I don't even comfort. I say the reason why right now why it feels so confusing to be um, standing in front of death and feel like it won is because because it never should. Mm-hmm. And there's coming a day when it will no longer. It's confusing to the heart of the believer because there's no place for us to reconcile it because it should not be. Yeah. I mean, come on. I, I, the, I was, we were reading the other day, even when death gets undone at the end, like the, Amanda and I were reading in Revelation, I think it's 19, maybe it's 20, when it talks about that the sea will open up and the graves will open up and everyone will have to come and appear before Christ. And we were talking about even what death had done will be undone before Jesus. Ooh. Can you imagine the day? Can you imagine what it's going to be like on that day when all those ashes that were sprinkled by Buddhists over the sea have to gather together into men and come up here before Christ? Can, can you imagine that? I wonder that? how much. Can you uh, imagine when the organs that somebody donated yeah, to somebody right. in Shanghai Just, come and meet somebody over in Nevada? And we've got organs flying through the air as men are brought together to come up here before Christ. For their final judgment. Come on, somebody. Come on. on. Death doesn't get to win. Christ at his coming will even undo what death had already won so that man can stand rightly as he is before Christ, Mm. so that Christ can be glorified in everything. Mm. That's glorious, man. So we've got like 10 minutes. <laughs> Into what? Two hours? <laughs> oh. but, well, well uh, did, you, did you have a question or did you just want to, was that just a last call for thoughts? Yeah, that was just the last call for thoughts. Yeah, I, I will, I, don't, I, know we, I know we're short on time. I will actually go a little where you, you were talking about going, which is like the ultimate destiny of man is to rule alongside God. Like, Come on. Um, you know, there was this, uh, we were originally, you know, we were made a little lower than the angels than clothed with glory and honor. There's this moment where, uh, you know, when Jesus comes and sits on the throne, you know, there's a, there is a human being on the throne right now. Cause Jesus yes, Christ, you know, Jesus did not become a man for 33 years. He became a man forever. Yeah. Yeah. He took on a human flesh. When that flesh died, it was resurrected. And, he and he's forever. glorified in it now. And he's glorified in it now, and he lives forever in resurrection life. Yep. So there is always going to be a man on the throne. And then if we are in Christ, come on, then mm. we're in him. I mean, he says, and we're on the throne. he who overcomes, I will give to sit on the throne with me as I sit on my father's. Yep. And so what is the ultimate destiny of, of man? It, you know, for those that are redeemed, for those that receive Christ, the the ultimate purpose is you're going to sit on the throne with God. Come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. I mean, that's it's one of those things that would sound blasphemous if I wasn't reading it out of the Bible, but it's come right on. there. Yeah. And, um, you know, and like I said, I mean, it, the scripture says there's a, there's a moment where in Corinthians where they're 
squabbling with one another, you know, having, having like lawsuits between one another. And Paul's like, you're kind of embarrassing us having to t- do lawsuits before pagan courts. Well, you know, don't you have someone mature enough to settle it? And the proof of it is, don't you realize you're going to be the one that judges the angels? Come on. Yeah. yeah. And so he's actually saying how you interact as people should be uh, influenced by the fact that you're one day going to stand in judgment over the angelic realm. Yeah. Right. Right, so when we talked about you're not going to become an angel when you die, right? That, like, no, no, you would not want to have, do that because that would actually be taking an inferior place to where cool. we're being taken. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That, that's good so, stuff. Co- Corinthians says this. He says, uh, we don't know, uh, we, for we do not fully know what we shall be, <laughs> mm-hmm. but as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. Come on. Right. And I don't know about you, I've borne the image of Adam pretty well a few times in my life. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he says, to the same extent that you've represented the, the, that le- lesser and unredeemed nature at a time past, you are going to represent the heavenly man in the same way. As yeah. easy as it was for you to be after the first Adam is as easy as it is for you to be made after the last Adam. Come on. You'll do it like second nature. When we see him, we shall be like him. When we see him, we shall be like him. Mm. Actually, it says, as he is, so, so are we, we in the present right. age. Yeah. So for he who has ears to hear, just understand that what we are now, right? That what's that, uh, what, what was that passage that we were talking about, about in the marriage as the bride is? And one of the points that it says is, what does it say? It says that the... Um, that the that the husband has been made a co-heir and therefore he should be patient. Yeah, heirs together of life. life. Yeah, yeah. And talking about the fact that uh, that the only point of the marriage is to glorify Christ, and so therefore it is not a uh, is not a a picture and a witness of. It only exists to be a picture and a witness of. Therefore, we can determine from that that he is right now. We are right now exactly as he has designed us to be. This is what. Laughing with kids is what it looks like to rule and reign in 2022. Yes. This is ruling and reigning in Christ in the age that yeah. we have been given. And in because we are as he is in this present age. And in the age to come, yeah. we will only grow further into this glory. To make your point before we close, so uh, this passage in Hebrews chapter number 2. So what we are, to just to, ru- just to put all of this together, what we're saying is this. I'll put it pretty simply, okay? Um, uh, we have been born again and we have been made, been made a new creation. Amen. Amen. And tell me if you agree with me, if anybody, you can stop (laughs) me anywhere. All right. We've been born again, born again, and we have been born after the, the nature of this new creation of which Christ is the first of many brethren. Yeah. So we have been brought into what will be the eternal state of the ages, and we will go through another transformation as well. But as Christ presently ha- it was in his incarnation, he bore us again into that same state that, so that we, he would bring many sons to glory, so that he would, um, to as many as received him, he gave the right to become sons of God, and he called himself a son of God. So he is the firstborn of many brethren, and we are one of those very same brethren brethren agreed 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 so the new creation it does not is not just talking about when this earth passes away but it's actually talking about a colonization from a group of people right and we are those people believers are those people and we are not trying to be those people that what we have done is we have 
um, substituted ideas about sanctification that were thought from the unredeemed state towards becoming something instead of thinking from be, us be, ha, already having become something and the Holy Spirit illuminating that. So as we are relearning that, we are relearning to understand that we are as important to God as God is important to God, mm-hmm. that he has invited us in to be in the same conversation, that we are image bearers of him, and we have been made, made raised up to be seated together with Christ so that we are in perfect union with him now. And from that place over into the destiny of ages to come, he will continue to unveil more and more of that redemption of which the earth cannot, the earth is groaning for, hell cannot stand against as a constant reminder to principalities and power as it happens in many ways over many ages. And it is glorious unto the kingdom of almighty God. So that we have been so brought back into our place of dominion in the earth that not only are we been given the right to judge angels, that creation is waiting on us so that it can come out of its, its bondage and all of principalities have been made subjected to us so that our prayer life is not just about now I lay me down to sleep or asking for things. <laughs> it's actually decreeing and declaring from places of authority. And... That is not even our highest state. Our highest state is the unification that we've been made, where we can sit in the, in the realm of, um, of majesty and reflect Christ back to Christ. And that mystical union has been made a place where God is most highly glorified and we, we are most deeply revealed. To the point, to the point, that when he, that this is what it says about us. Hebrews 2, verse 5, what we were referencing earlier. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him? Mm-hmm. Or the son of man that you, that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the work of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, us, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus." who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. This has been like the most important verse for me over like the past years. We do not see everything that's been put under our feet yet, but we see Jesus. And staring at Jesus is enough to see everything that's been put underneath of our feet. Come on. Glory to God. Well, David, pray us out. I just, Abba, I thank you that, um, that it is your delight. It's your good pleasure, you said. 
in Ephesians chapter number one, you said that we are, that it was your good pleasure to bring us into redemption, that you didn't do so by the forcing of your hand, but it is an expression of your good pleasure. I thank you that you take delight in the redeemed sons of God. I thank you that, um, that our coming into the righteousness of Christ, not only it was, it not only is it God, um, a, an access point, Lord, but it, it's so much more than just a covering so that we can sneak in to, to the, to the throne room so that we can maybe make our decrees so that we can maybe ask for provision so that we can maybe shake our cup before you. It's so much more than that and that the righteousness of God has made us who we are actually and that it is good to be us it is father I thank you that it is good to be a son of God I thank you that you take great delight and that we honor you when we take great delight in what it is to be alive and even to be fully alive. I thank you for the life in this, in this space, in this family, in this time, in, in, the, in your love, in this glory. God, that it is good to be here, God. I thank you that we can say, uh, like, like they said at the Mount of Transfiguration, that right here is exactly where we were supposed to be. And God, I, I thank you that it is good for us to be here. And I, I just take full, I, I, just, I just give you glory, God, and I just pray that we would take a full delight in what it means to be the sons of Yahweh. I pray that we would take a full, that we would have a full delight in what it means to be alive in you. I pray, Lord, that we would um, shirk off all of the, of the red, that we would shake the way that, um, the way that you shake off the cold. I pray that sons and daughters of God would shake off the, the desire or the, the, the need to prove something or to, to try to be something and that we would shake all of that off so that we can be fully alive to be who you made us to be and so that we can rejoice and glory in what it means to be sons of the spirit daughters in the spirit God I pray Lord that we that we no longer live with a duplicity but that we love the operation of this of, of the living spirit of God that we love being windblown whether it means in the operation of what we have historically called those functions of, of and giftings of the of the spirit in a, in a minute setting or whether it's to stop and have our lives um, interrupted by the aroma of heaven that all of it seems good to us God that we can see with eyes of wonder what's behind the veil that um, that Luke was talking about tonight that that system that um, that that, uh, that 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 set that's been set up that would that would be called the world but to see the real world that's behind it the one that you love so much that we have eyes to see the cosmos, that we have eyes to see the creation, that we have eyes to see the glory, that we have eyes to see the beauty, that we have eyes to even rule and reign over it, to call it what it's not yet, and to see it as beautiful and delightful, and to have wonder-filled eyes to see it. I, th I thank you, Lord, that we do that, God, not as, um, not as, as ministers, and not as preachers, and not as not as being self-important, but we do it because it's just out of our nature, God. 
I pray that we do it. I pray that men and women do it in quiet when nobody is listening. They don't have to write it down. I pray for the songwriters that write songs that nobody hears, for the painters who paint pictures that they take delight on in their in in, in their own bedroom, for the ones that whisper the things to um, to to the flowers and 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 to their backyard and and to the 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 mountaintops, and they just there whisper. You are so beautiful in God. And though it never turns into an application for a sermon, and though it never turns into an expression of a prophetic word, it is just as important in this restoration process that we see that beauty and we declare it to be so. I thank you that all of that comes from delight. And I thank you that all of that comes from being human. And I thank you that all of that is glorious. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So if you've been with us this long, thank you for sticking all the way through. And uh, we have an email address, i35highway at gmail.com. If you have any questions or uh, testimonies or stories or just want to say hey to us, I'll leave a link in the description of this podcast. Um, We want to hear from you. And we want to answer any questions that you have. Um, yeah. We'll see you next time. Streams flowing in the desert. Wilderness is about to bloom. Well, it don't look like much now. But you won't recognize it soon.